Well, I want to frame my sermon topic to this morning with a short video. It's a 30-minute commercial for a company called LetGo.com. It's an app. How many have used LetGo.com before? I've sold numerous things. You snap a picture of something you have you want to get rid of, and people contact you, and you meet them, and they buy it. This is about a man trying to sell an old video arcade game. If you're as old as I am, you remember going to the video arcade and playing these huge video games. He's trying to get rid of it. 30-second commercial. Let's watch it. Dude, you gotta let it go. I've had it forever. And? I guess that's it. Okay. We'll sell it on let go. You just take a picture and post it. Hey, I'll take it. It's time to snap, post, chat, and sell. It's time to let go. Well, I thought it was funny and it made me laugh, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, a um, couple of things caught my attention about that commercial. Um, first of all, I was paid nothing by LetGo.com to show it. But the absurdity in owning a video arcade game on the frozen tundra where there's no electricity. Did you catch that irony? Thank you. Yeah. And then also the other apparent thing that we arrive at today is it's hard to let go of stuff sometimes for us people, isn't it? Yes, it's hard to let go of things that we're attached to for whatever reason. There's this story in the gospel this morning that we read and this, this young man who has a lot of stuff and a lot of wealth ultimately has a hard time letting go of it, doesn't he? He goes and asks because he feels like he's missing something in life despite all of the stuff that he has. He's missing something and he goes to this learned rabbi, Jesus, and says, what do I need to do to, to know that I'm good with God, that I'm right in the graces of God and in the arms of God? And Jesus said, you need to let go of it. Let go of all of your stuff. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. He had a hard time with it, didn't he? So much that he said no, not verbally. But he went away, and Luke points out he was very sad because he couldn't let go of something, though he knew that if he did, he might find new life. And I don't want us this morning to take this to mean that any of us who have ever wanted anything or, or have saved anything or, or want to be prepared for life need to feel bad or sad like this man did. But I want us to hear about how stuff can keep us from living in Christ as we should. And simply, I think the way to do that this morning is to, to ask the question, why? So first of all, let's look at, at the reasons that we have such difficulty letting go of stuff. Why do you think it is we have a hard time letting go of stuff that we want to stay, save and collect stuff? Well, I think part of it goes back to our instincts, right? Maybe instinctually we're hunters and gatherers and, 
And we know for life, if we're going to be prepared and ready, then we need to have the stuff that we need to have on hand. I was in Boy Scouts growing up, Eagle Scout. And I learned, and it was drilled in my head, that you need to be prepared in life. That's the motto of Boy Scouts, be prepared. A lot of us maybe grew up hard lives as children or didn't have much. We came from scantily provided childhoods. And maybe, maybe we're trying to make sure that that doesn't happen for our kids or for ourselves. We never want to be in a position where we have to depend on someone else. And so we save and we collect and we gather. Some people have a hard time letting go of stuff, no matter what it is, just because they may think somewhere in the back of their minds they might need that somewhere down the road. Now, if you take that to a, a, an extreme degree, there's, there's an illness called hoarding that some people have because they, they find security and safety in their stuff. And all of us, I know I do to some extent, find that with what we have and what we've gathered. But we also have emotional attachment to things. There are some things in life that I just won't let go of, even if I may need to get rid of the baggage, so to speak, because they were there for me or it was given to me at a very important time in my life or by a very important person. All of these are reasons we hang on to stuff, and it's okay to hang on to stuff. To a point, Jesus seems to be saying to this young man. Why do we hang on to stuff? Well, we have our reasons and good reasons for that. But not to let it become an obsession is the important thing. The second question is, what are the problems with hanging on to stuff? Does stuff and do possessions create problems for us in life? Well, yes, they very much can. We would do anything we could to hang on to what we have and what we've earned in life, and yet, yet sometimes it can come at great detriment because it can start to weigh us down. Do you think Jesus recognized that? Did you know that more than any other topic in Jesus' parables as he taught all through four Gospels we read from, possessions and wealth were, were the number one topic and dealing with those in faith. Jesus recognized that there are difficulties in having wealth and possessions and also walking the walk of faith. What did he say to the, as a conclusion of the young man who came to him? How hard it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for someone rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that could have been meant by Jesus as an absurdity, right? Like a video arcade game being kept and used in the frozen tundra because a camel cannot go through the eye of a needle. Is Jesus saying it's impossible to have possessions and accumulate those in wealth and to be able to find admission into eternity? and into the kingdom of God? There are other scholars that talk about historically that in the walls at a place around Jerusalem, the old city of Jesus' day, there was a low gate. 
a low gate that a person had to actually stoop down to get through and go into the city. A camel would have been a near impossibility unless the rider had gotten off and, and gotten the camel down on its knees and gone in. Whether he was meaning it was near impossible or very difficult, Jesus acknowledges that our stuff weighs us down in life and it keeps us from living according to the kingdom that he came to establish. Did you hear what Jim read this morning? Those, those words of wisdom from the halls of, of King Solomon's uh, palace three or four hundred years before Jesus. King Solomon writes about the vanity of life the absurdity of life, that you go through life collecting things and putting them all together, and lo and behold, they end up being more of a difficulty than they do a blessing. It's very easy to be weighed down, Solomon seems to be saying, by the stuff that we have, instead of enjoying each and every day and the simple things in life. Jesus says it's difficult to do that. When things keep preoccupying us so much. And there is the time factor of managing the stuff that we have, isn't there? There is. This weekend I've had a date. My wife went off to the beach with a friend. But I had a date here at home. I know it sounds scandalous, but it was with a man named Uncle Sam. That's right, it's tax preparation season, and Barry, where were you all weekend when I needed some advice on that? I had to go through receipts. I had to look at all of the categories of our lives and the money that we've made and see the amount of money that we've had to pay in taxes and how much we won't get back as a result of it. Now, I don't mind paying unto Caesar what is Caesar's to the state for tax purposes. There's good that comes out of it, though though certainly we all sometimes disagree with how it's spent in the places of power, but it occurred to me that 25, 30 years ago, when I was first married and maybe had a kid or two in diapers, how simple my taxes were every year. I could do them myself. I could simply fill out one or two or three forms and, and send them in with a check of what I might owe, and that was that. But now, today, because I make more money, because I have kids that are in college and dependents, and my wife works and has income, and I have work and income independently, it's so complicated, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just gather it all together and spend a whole weekend doing it. Because why? Because I've got more stuff, more wealth. It can just complicate life so much when we have things and we have to manage those things and keep up with it and account for it. I'm not bemoaning what I have, and I'm very blessed and thankful for what I do. And yet, I think what Jesus said is eternally true. I know one of our Sunday school classes, the Awaken class that I'm a part of, is doing a practice for Lent during this 40-day period of every Sunday, taking one thing from their closet that they don't wear and bringing it to their classroom. They're collecting them together. They're going to kind of put them in bags and, and give them maybe to the thrift store to, to where there's a need. There's a 
lot of people that are trying to declutter this time of the year for spring cleaning. And don't forget that we have a great thrift store downstairs that is in need of good donated clothes and other household items. Minus furniture, please. How's that for a commercial? Did you know that there is afoot a move among baby boomers who are pretty much all retired now to downsize? to get rid of and sell larger houses with a lot of stuff in them into a smaller place that has less space and storage and a lot less to do as far as keeping it, keeping it up. Have you heard before of the tiny house movement? I've got a picture of a, of a tiny house there. No one will show it to you. Can you imagine in living in a house 600 square feet or less, which is what a tiny house is, categorized as the average American family lives in a home that is well 2,436 square feet but 60% of Americans said that they would be willing to live in a house this small if they had the opportunity and the willpower to do it and that amount was increased, that percentage, among millennials even more. Oh, the millennials, right? I hear older folks, even people of my generation, bemoaning these millennials. And you're talking about my kids when you're talking about the millennials and about how they just don't get what they're thinking. Why, why don't they want to own a house or a car even? Why do material things that matter to our consumer mentality so much not matter a bit to them? It's kind of refreshing to hear a generation to come along to say, you know what, it's not the stuff that matters so much as it is the days and the people and the experiences that God has for us to enjoy and to be blessed with. There is a philosophy and a lot of millennials, and one of my kids especially, is clinging to called minimalism. Have you heard of it before? It's talking about getting rid of everything that's not necessary in life so that you can be less weighed down in life to enjoy it, to travel the world, to do the things that you feel in your heart and with your life to do. And... And one of, uh, one of the popular bloggers uh, of that generation about this, Colin Wright, has narrowed down his life and his possessions to just 55 things. What if you had to decide on 55 things that you, you had to limit yourself to to live with? Would it be possible or fathomable for you? Here's what Colin uh, writes about this whole movement of minimalism. He says, minimalism's not just about getting rid of stuff, not buying anything new, or not about living in a smaller space, though that might be the result of it. Rather, minimalism is really about reassessing your priorities so you can strip away the non-essential stuff and give more attention to the important stuff that brings value into your life. Do you hear what Colin is, is saying here? Do you hear what Jesus is saying to this rich young man who has lots of stuff and yet is missing out on the greatest blessing of them all? And that's God. 
and a life lived with him. So we talked about the reasons, and we talked about the problems. What is the solution that, that Jesus provides for, for his followers to come and follow him? To put up aside or behind us the things of this world and chase after his kingdom and its righteousness. Imagine if we spent more time thinking about how to bless others with what God has given to us instead of thinking about how to manage or maintain or even increase what it is that we have in our possession. What the world would be of a better place one can only imagine. What is the solution, Jesus said, to this, this fascination, this attachment we have to stuff? Well, it's, it's plain and simple to realign our priorities with that of the kingdom of God and to put him first above all things and to let go of the rest that holds us back and weighs us down. You know, it's interesting in this passage of scripture that that Jesus points out to this young man who comes to him asking, what do I need to do to get in good with God and to have my home in heaven? And he brings up the commandments, doesn't he? Yeah, I've, I've got a slide of the commandments broken down into two categories, as Jesus said elsewhere, were important to look at. And the first four of the Ten Commandments that we find in two places in the Old Testament that Moses brought down from the mountain from God, the, the first four have to do with, with honoring God and putting God first. And the last six have to do with, with others, how to treat others and how to put others before ourselves. Do you notice something from what Jesus asked this young man about the commandments? When he said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus skipped the first four of the commandments and went to the last six. What was it that he said to them, to him? He said, you know the commandments. And basically, he said, honor your father and mother. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie about your neighbor. Don't envy. He looked and spoke about the commandments about treating others. Why did he not mention the first four of those commandments about honoring and worshiping God? I found that curious. Do you? Well, scholars tell us a couple of things. One, because Jesus was establishing with this man and with all of his disciples that if they would follow him as Jesus calls and commands and follow him faithfully, they would be fulfilling the first of those four commandments to put God first and worship nothing else and, and keep, keeping the Sabbath holy, not missing, misusing the name of the Lord our God. But secondly, scholars say that, that perhaps it is that Jesus, Jesus is using only these last because he knows the problem that the young man has has nothing to do with other people. It doesn't even have to do with himself. It has to do with a spiritual issue that he cannot see. And it's an issue of priorities, of putting God above all other things in life. 
have no other gods before me. What was the little god that became the big god for this young man? It was his stuff, his possessions, his wealth. And Jesus knew that if he was not willing to let go of that, to put God above all things and to follow him, then there's nothing he could have done or said to change the young man's mind. There is something blessed about, about realigning our priorities with God's and living into his kingdom rather than our own kingdoms or the kingdom of this world that gives to us a joy and peace and an ability to sleep and rest and not worry in life because we give to God what is God's. And that's first priority most of all. John Wesley, the founder of our Methodist way of doing this Christian faith, had a famous saying, I've got a slide of it. You've heard it before. John Wesley wrote in his sermon, The Use of Money, that people called Methodists should earn all they can, save all they can, and give all they can. And if you ever want a, a transformative read, it's not very long, the abridged version. He says very plainly and simply, why there's value for all of us in all of these. But he hits upon, especially at the end, giving all that you can away. Why do you think that he taught that? It's because Jesus taught that our attachment and our, our consumption and our fulfillment that we find in the stuff of our lives takes us away from the meaning and the purpose that we find in following Christ Jesus, our Lord, instead. John Wesley, it is shown, lived on between 30 pounds, and we're talking about English currency here in the 1700s, between 30 and um, 28 pounds his whole life through. Can you imagine that? The same amount that you started out out of school earning, maintaining that same amount that you lived on then into the end of your life. Now, John Wesley did not have children and a family, so i got to give him that. He had that um, non-expense for those of us comparatively that do. But he found in his life very simply that the more he earned, the more he wanted to give away. Why? Was it just to help people? Yes. Was it just to bless others? Yes. But most of all, because he knew that the faith that he held so dear and so true was dependent upon his, his leaning upon and trusting in Christ Jesus, his Lord, instead of the things in his possession. And that's Jesus' message for us today. If we will let go of the stuff in life that we are so caught up in collecting and gathering, We'll travel more lightly as we go through day to day and be blessed because of it. We will become more generous and be more of a blessing to other people because we have a freedom to let go of things. But most of all, we will depend upon Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and the head of our church. And so this morning, I say let go. And I do that as we close in prayer if you'd bow your heads, please.